One is an ongoing story-based podcast and is a work of fiction by J.A. LaRocque. You can find our podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Chapter 9 The One You Leave Behind My blurred vision slowly cleared, and I could see that I was back outside of their restaurant. Physically drained, it took all of my strength to lift my head to see the spot where the sign for Fireside Ribs once was. The flames seemed to roar at me as I looked at it. An explosion from within the store sent me flying backwards. My back slammed onto the asphalt. Instinctively, I raised my head to avoid slamming it against the pavement, training from falling off my bike more than once. I laid on my back as a wave of intense heat soaked into my body. I was slipping away again, but not into a dream, but into darkness. It was unclear how long I was unconscious. I was hoping I would awaken somewhere else, but any chance of that was taken long before my eyes opened. It was the smell of burnt materials that led into the sweltering heat still surrounding my body. It felt as if I was laying in hell's waiting room, if I believed in such a thing. Through glazed vision, I could see the fire had spread to the street behind the restaurant, a residential area. I was watching a part of my childhood turn to ash, just as the world I knew had seemed to have abandoned me. Jonathan's voice echoed in my head, but his words were incoherent. My thoughts were scrambled. I thought about my past and the present before me as fear of the future crept ever so closer. The fire was spreading quickly. I focused my mind to the now, realizing Well Street was only two blocks from Christine's home. Even though the chance that she would be home was slim, it was one I would not allow myself to take. Every muscle in my being ached as I pulled myself up from the ground. It was then that I felt it. My cell phone was damaged when I fell. There was no way to call Christine or anyone else anymore. I made my way back to my bike. I knew the only thing I could do was to go to her home myself. Orleans Street at one time felt like a dirt road in the center of a bustling city. I first visited the street when I was six. My father took me to see where the horses were kept for the horse and buggy rides that were offered downtown. It was quiet. Hardly any cars traversed the street back then. The elevated train ran down the eastern side of the street. Because of the tracks, there were no homes there until just before North Avenue, where the tracks curved west. Originally, when Christine brought me to her home, I thought it was cool to live right next to the elevated train on such a quiet street. It was not until the screech of the train ruined many quiet moments that I realized it wasn't as good as I once thought. I arrived on the block moments later. The silence didn't seem so out of place there. I pulled in front of Christine's home, but stopped and looked above me. The sight above was something I had not seen before. The brown line, also called a Ravenswood, 
stopped on the next block over from Orleans Street. Above me, the train cars sat stationary in mid-turn. I looked closer and could see the doors to the cars were open. I could only assume that the train came to a stop and then opened its doors. At my feet was a black leather purse. It must have fallen when someone exited the train. Curiosity caused me to look inside the purse. The license read Angelica Reed. I could not help but wonder where she was at that moment. I gazed up and could see the smoke from Well Street. The fire continued its spread, and it snapped my attention back. I left the motorcycle in the street and climbed the concrete steps to Christine's home, then knocked on the door. Several moments went by with no answer. I wondered what I would want more, to have her answer and find that she was trapped in this place alone with me, or receive nothing and hope that wherever she was, she was safe and happy. I also considered, if only for a moment, that I was the one that was safe, and everyone else who may or may not have disappeared were in peril. I quickly dismissed that thought. I was ready to walk away, but a thought occurred to me. If the fire continued to spread, her home would be destroyed. Even if she were not home, everything she ever had would be lost. I planned to break down the door. I felt it was acceptable in this case. That was going to be my course of action until I turned the knob and the door opened. Mrs. McCormick? Christine? I called out. There was no expectation of an answer, but Mrs. McCormick would never leave the door unlocked. Though the home was modest and they were not wealthy, the concern wasn't for what you could replace, but for what you could never replace. The home was cold. It was the same as the first day I visited when Christine first introduced me to her parents. The tiny living room looking out onto the street. I made the mistake of sitting in her father's chair. It was old and worn, but so soft and comfortable, like an old pair of jeans. Christine didn't notice me sitting there until her father walked in asking who I was. The wooden floors, old and worn, would creak whenever I tried to sneak into the house to spend the night. A sound shattered my memory. It was muffled, and I could hear it coming from down the hall. My heart raced as I ran past the bathroom towards Christine's door. Then I heard it again. It was louder, definitely coming from inside her room. It was either moaning or a muffled scream. I couldn't tell. The door was locked. There was definitely someone inside. Christine, are you okay? Christine? A scream, clear, haunting, sent me into a deeper panic. I ran to the kitchen and grabbed the first thing I could find, a worn steak knife. I returned to her door. I braced myself ready to kick it in. A rage was building inside me. I would kill whoever caused Christine to scream like that. Her door was less durable than Ashley's was, completely coming off the hinges when I kicked it. 
The door made an echoing thud when it slammed against the floor. My knife was at the ready, prepared to strike. I screamed as I entered the room. I don't know if it was out of fear or a cry of rage. Perhaps both. I believed I was ready for whatever I would find. I was wrong. Next time. Chapter 10